a stream of consciousness news podcast with Stephen Jackson and Brandon R. Reynolds. Stephen. Brandon. Can you believe we have a guest today? Uh, I can, but that's just because I knew yeah. we were having a guest. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the, the nature of surprise is somewhat lessened when we're all sort of on the media together. Um, yeah, Stephen, we have a guest today. Friend of the show, Janet Varney. Hello. Hi, Janet. Hello. Can I be surprised? Janet, you be surprised. What, what am here. I doing here? <laughs> she just woke I up. I just woke up. There you go. Yeah, Janet has been on the show as herself and as Elizabeth Holmes <laughs> and now comes to us as a guinea pig on our latest adventure, which is Journos as a Service. Yep. Our new initiative to do journalism at people, <laughs> I guess, basically. <laughs> uh, Janet uh, has a podcast called The JV Club. It's been going for 10 human years. Yeah, I think we're closing in on 11 now. 11 human years. 11. And what is that in guinea pig years? Like a Boy, million? That's ca- I was going to say, oh. guinea pigs live like a day. So <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be in charge of that math. So we will talk to Janet about what her... Journos as a service needs are, <laughs> but before we get there, <laughs> we got to talk about what JV Club is. Janet, yes, JV Club is ten years old, as we just established, almost eleven years old. Yeah, and in podcast years, that really is a very long time. That's right, a millennium, a, a single millennium, a single millennium, at least one. What uh, is it? It is a podcast that I do with myself and a guest, uh, uh, and I talk to people about their awkward teenage years. Now, we definitely talk about all kinds of other stuff as well, but that's sort of the linchpin that I use to get in and out of these other various topics that come up in this kind of free-flowing conversation. Um, But yeah, I'm fascinated by adolescence. I thought maybe I would be less interested by 500 episodes, uh, which it will be um, very shortly here, but I don't know. I'm still really into it. I still love talking to people and, um, you know, the more I've done it, the sort of wider range of age groups I've had, um, the more interesting it's been to see kind of where there are similarities even between generations, you know. And I happen to know that the original name of the JV Club or the the pending name for the JV Club was not the JV Club. There was another that was more related to the teenage thing right oh i think i was yeah it was i was a teenage podcast is what i thought i was gonna name it and then (laughs) like happens to every podcaster it's part of the growing up process it's part of the adolescence of being a podcast you have to find out that someone else already has the name you want and that's how i ended up with the jv club but now i can't imagine it ever having been called i was a teenage podcast i'm so glad it is what it is we were yep. journalists from the beginning. No, no, we weren't. Uh-huh. No, no, we were not. We were, we were the not. instant news. Let me assure you, you were news not. hour. We were the yeah. instant news news hour, and I, now journalists. Yeah, everybody goes journal- through I that. Think, mm-hmm. Everyone goes through that uh, that pupa phase of uh, this is what the podcast is, and then it turns into something else. Yep. that's right. I call it, it puberty. Pu- nice. <laughs> or also, when you realize that your name has been taken, those are called the go daddy years. Uh-huh. When <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's right i'd love to know what GoDaddy was originally called yeah that right would really bring everything full circle it's one of those names like uh 
MailChimp survey monkey. Like it's like old school internet that like they totally outlived their name and somehow they're still financially value- valuable. Yeah. But somebody's sitting there like it's survey monkey and don't tell me different. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. People love primates. Yeah. Internet primates. Oh yeah. GoDaddy makes no sense for the you I mean I can't now I'm thinking about it. That makes no sense for the domain people. Yeah. Yeah. No, it just sounds like a weird kink. It does. <laughs> yeah. Janet, who were you interviewing low these many years? What kinds of people? Well, I mean, I would say that the the largest stable uh, at my fingertips was uh, is is people in the the performing arts industry and the film and television industry. But I've been lucky to have you know some novelists and some uh, researchers and artists and. But I would say that like. I'm trying to think of anybody that I haven't had that I've had that wasn't maybe in like the sort of creative milieu. Um, so I would say mostly like artists of different types. Yeah, mostly ladies and people who identify as ladies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the most part, it is ladies. For the first couple of years, it was only ladies, and then I introduced the uh, idea of a boys of summer. Uh, sequence that would happen through the summer months and um, and that has continued on so I've amassed some gents over time here now that I've got almost 500 very nice episodes episodes Not thank men. you <laughs> we we didn't know what they were um, one of the things that we find interesting here journos is the weird experiments in journalism that come up so often as podcasts and yours is one of those right like you focused on at least ostensibly, to get into it, awkward teen years. Now you've got 500 episodes under your belt, tons of people you've done in that. So are there any observations about human nature that uh, come up off the top of your head? What have you noticed about people? Well, it's funny. I mean, I think you could sort of look at whatever the last guest I had was and and see that I ha- I'll have a bias towards whatever that conversation contained. But um, with that in mind, I feel like something that I've come across that this sort of I, this sort of general idea that's amassed for me over time is I feel like I have a lot of people talk about being so-called late bloomers. But and which usually means that they maybe started dating in college instead of high school mm-hmm. or their first kiss was in college instead of high school or even like later in high school. Like my senior year was the first time and they characterize, they seem to self-characterize as late bloomers. But I feel like I've had so many people call themselves that at this point that I'm almost wondering if they're just bloomers. Like, I'm not sure they're late. It doesn't feel, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, whatever idea we all have about when you're quote unquote supposed to, or when it's quote unquote natural to start kissing or dating or fooling around or snogging or however you want to put it, um, I'm not sure. I mean, I haven't crunched the data and I am not going to ask you guys to listen to 500 episodes of anything. Uh, but without crunching the data, I'm not convinced that there is like a, you know, like there is a blooming versus early and late that that makes a, a specific sense. I don't feel like there's a consistency, at least in my experience. So maybe all artistic people are late bloomers or many of them are, but I don't know. It's interesting. Where's the bloom? Where do they think they're supposed to be blooming at that they're missing? Yeah. And when do you, like, do you think you should have been making out with people when you're in high school 
because your peers are doing that. So it's at that time that you assign yourself this idea of being a late bloomer, or is it in retrospect as an adult, you look back and decide like, oh, my, I realize now that my friends were all doing it and I wasn't, so I guess I was a late bloomer. Like, I don't know when you when that term starts getting used anyway, because it seems weird to be like a 14-year-old and be like, I'm not into kissing yet. I guess I'm a late bloomer. Like, that feels, <laughs> to project ahead to that feels like kind of unlikely. Yeah. Yeah, and- it's, it's, it's certainly one of those sort of extra unneeded pressures in a time that's just entirely full of pressure Absolutely. Um, for the kids, especially as their brains are developing. And, um, you know, a lot of people are out there saying that we're, our brains aren't even fully developed until our late 20s now. So, yeah, and, and, you know, where does, and where does this sense of adolescence, like, where does the timeline of adolescence even come from that's totally superimposed by society and life expectancy and all of that stuff? So, I think I, I certainly think you're on to something there because it's all kind of made up anyways. Yeah, I, I would love to find out more about that because I think I just assumed that adolescence and teenagehood vis-a-vis using the words 13 through 19, like I think I just assumed that those were one and the same. And I, I have no idea if that's true or not. Like I don't know if adolescence is also you know, the exact years that you're a teenager. But if someone if someone said, what's your what's adolescence? I would be like, I don't know, teenage years. <laughs> Again, if we used pupating, I mean, it's so clean cut for caterpillars. <laughs> they go into their little room and they come yeah. out something. Different. Yeah, it's very straightforward. Sure. So like you go into your room for your teenage years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And then out. they let you out. Then you come out with a beer. But now it sounds like you might. Yeah. It's, yeah. And also is adolescence the same as your brain being fully cooked? Like, you know what I mean? Are you an adult? Is, are we saying that when you are, when your brain is fully cooked, which by the way, I'm not even sure what that means other than that you've just finally figured out how not to kill yourself <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> accidentally. Yeah. 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 Or, or others yeah mm-hmm. i don't yeah i don't so so there's a lot of terminology that gets tossed around that i'm not totally sure how it lines up with its with other terminology that people are using in the same kinds of conversations i don't know how that all meshes together and i don't really know why we're called teenagers other than like like what does that mean other than that you're not 12 and you're not 20 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. stepping back to kind of looking at your sample group for <clears throat> the JV club, uh, you said that it was like mostly artists, right? And you kind of have this unbelievable data set of artists talking about something that everybody experiences in different ways. But in most cases, there's at least a few awkward moments and many different troubles and ups and downs of that adolescent period. So what if what about other than the the fact that late blooming might be just blooming? What 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 else have you learned about this sort of person as they are entering those sort of strange teenage years? Sure. Well, it's funny because even though I, I'm sort of attempting to lump everyone in together by identifying them as artists, as if that's going to somehow inform a consistency in what their character was like as a teenager, or what their likes and dislikes were, what their insecurities were, all of that, that I feel has been hugely diverse. Um, I've had a lot of people, and I think this is one of the reasons that the podcast resonates for so many people, especially younger people. Um, I've had so many people 
talk about how shiftless they were, how much they weren't even into, say, theater or writing or something like that until much later, um, whether it was college or even sometimes later than that. So there's no, I think that's encouraging to people because it isn't like a hard and fast, you know, every time I have somebody who's a successful artistic type on the podcast that, oh, they had to know that's what they were going to do from when they were a child or, you know, they were stars in the choir in high school. And there's a <laughs> lot of people who are like, oh, I, I would never have, you know, I love performing now, but I would never have felt comfortable doing that as a teenager and didn't even know I wanted to do it as a teenager. Um, right. Or people who are writers who were so insecure about their own writing that it just never occurred to them that they would end up writing a book someday. Um, So that I think is, has been really wonderful is that I'm constantly surprised by people. I mean, maybe I wouldn't be interested in doing the podcast for as long as I've done it. If I was like, ah, the artist type, let me Mm -hmm. predict X, Y, Z. And, and, and then you have, you know, all the variables of like people who were up and moving a ton because their parents were in the military or their parents were working for Microsoft or some job that just took them all around and they you know, desperately wanted to be in one place for high school and weren't um, versus people who were, you know, lived in small towns and K through 12 their way with the same group all the way up until they graduated. And so seeing where people's kind of creative sparks come from and hearing about the fact that there is no should or must Mm -hmm. to that is, I think it's just really reassuring to people. Totally. Well, that's. I mean, that's very, I, I think, inspirational to anybody, even it, when they're young, it, if, if they come across that conversation, that's good news. And if yeah. someone's like older and they come across that information and they're like, great, there's still time. I mean, I think totally one thing about uh, especially people who are in the arts who didn't necessarily have that entire childhood background of doing you know creative things, it also kind of provides so much more ammo for them to use in their creative endeavors later on in life because they're not just you know sort of creatives thinking about creative situations and the same sort of homogenous creative experience of people who have only been in entertainment their whole lives like I, I feel like when I hear stories from people with those more varied backgrounds or who came late to the process of being of making something art that looks like art I feel like that's always so much more interesting too yeah absolutely I mean that's and that's definitely something I identify with even though Weirdly, I was a kid who kind of only thought of my value as being around performing. But if you have that sense of yourself, but you also have a sense of what's practical, you've mm-hmm. really put yourself in a tough situation because then you're <laughs> like, I mean, I'm good at this, but like, I don't believe I can do this for a living. So what do I do with that information? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I had, and, and that. I forced myself to be pragmatic about that and had to learn all these other life skills to then only eventually tumble back into exactly the thing that I was positive I both should do and couldn't do for a living when I was, you know, 13, 14 years old. Hmm. That's cool. The narrative that we get in movies and books and so on is if you tell the story of somebody becoming an artist or a musician or whatever, like in biopics and things, you always have to have that moment where like somebody's picked up the guitar for the first time or the pen or whatever. Yeah. The movie. I mean, Spielberg finally did his big 
film about you know here's how I became a filmmaker. Turns out it was because my mom was screwing my dad's best friend. Uh, but those and that's the tagline to the movie. Yeah. I think it is. I think they it put could... that on the poster. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just him watching his mom have sex. <laughs> no. Spielberg, man, wild guy. Wow, PG thirteen. PG thirteen. You know, all that media, all of that fiction has to compress the narrative. So. It gives you the sense that, like, for an artist, there's some moment in childhood where it all made sense. Right. And everything sort of spun out from that. Everything descended from that moment. And that makes for a cleaner story. But it also makes you think, well, if I'm confused in all the ways that, Jenna, you're talking about, or don't feel like I have a strong sense of narrative direction, Mm. as movies tell you you should, then you might feel insecure about going forth and being an artist or being a filmmaker, being a musician or whatever. And, and and that's one of the things that's good about JV Club is it does sort of say there's no one way to get there. How do you ever know? You sort of stumble into these things. And I'm sure, you know, some of the people you talk to, you kind of feel like they had more of the, there was a moment I picked up a guitar and everything yes. fell in the place after that. And then others. Those really stand out though. Yeah. Like those stand out. I mean, I feel like I can't help but call those out when they happen because they they do feel stark to me in a mm. very specific way because because we immediately recognize it as being this sort of thing we've been taught to look out for in storytelling. So right. when somebody says, you know, and then I just had this one teacher it was crazy, you know, I didn't even like I was taking drama as an elective, but this teacher, Mr. blah blah blah, shout out to Ms. blah blah blah, you know, I remember they pulled me aside one day and they said, you know, you're just phoning this in, but you've got a real gift. And from that moment on, I mean, there are definitely those stories, but they do really stand out. And I think even the people who have them know that, like, they almost worry that they're trite because they themselves know, like, I know, I know, I had the moment where I picked up the guitar, like, don't get mad at me, don't at me, that was my real journey, you know, whereas other people, yeah, they do sort of, like, fumble through it, and um, I can't remember what I was going to say, I feel like I had to follow up to that, but I don't know what it is. Well, I mean, a true creative, if nothing else, is always trying to avoid a cliche, right? So I mean, that's definitely true. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I was definitely going to say that I feel like I have enough of a sample section. Now, granted, I have fewer people in their early 20s than, you know, I would say like I have fewer people in their early 20s and late 60s and onward than I have of people in their late 20s through late 50s, for example. Like, I feel like that's more kind of my demographic as it's just happened to be. But I I have definitely noticed in terms of how it relates to the internet, I, I don't have that data in front of me, but I would say there is a certain point where someone of a certain age and younger that I've had on the podcast tends to be more comfortable performing at an earlier age in this new kind of new mm. media, yeah. like taking advantage of understanding YouTube and blogs and feeling more like permitted to share yourself on a very personal level with the world in a way that people after a certain age that I interview who were, you know, who were teenagers a little bit further ago did not have, you know, they just didn't have, they didn't have access to that. So that has been really interesting to see. And it's really heartening. I mean, we, I have the, you know, it's really easy to be, 
older to be a Gen Xer or Gen Y or millennial or whatever and look at younger people and go, oh God, they've just put it all out there. Like if I had been a teenager when they were teenagers, I would have, I'd be naked on YouTube every day. Like we just have this sort of idea that we would have made these horrible mistakes. But I think how it's translated to people, the people that I've talked to, and again, they're artistic. So I'm I'm talking to the people for whom it worked out, right? Um, but nevertheless, it is sort of encouraging to me because I feel like, you know, when I talk to younger women, they felt more like it was okay to be seen and heard and mm. be creative and take chances. And that's what we want to see, right? We want to see younger people going, I don't know, I felt like it was kind of okay for me to write stories and write fan fiction and, mm-hmm. you know, so that I, I love that because I'm not worried about the future generations in the way that maybe I would be if I didn't have those conversations. The flip side, of course, being everyone locks into sharing and the sharing economy and like everyone being a content producer in a way that's perhaps terrifying. Like everyone's got to be their own version of the real world. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm at an age now where I don't know and can't see and just have to be comfortable being uncomfortable with the fact that I don't know what is a problem and what is just a generational thing because I'm I try always to remind myself that people of generations above me including my own parents it's just so easy to be like I don't know these smartphones I don't know <laughs> this television I mean my kids just sit in front of the TV old I don't know video games yeah. you know and I don't I don't I don't have the I can't I'm not disconnected enough from it to be able to say well I think 50% of this is fine and 50% of it is a problem we need to do something about it. I just don't know because I feel like every generation goes through it where they're like these kids how are they ever going to, you know? Sure. But as a society or as a, as hum, as human beings, you know, in terms of like how we interact, are is our is our culture getting more permissive in a in a positive way? Is it getting more inclusive? Is it getting you know, even despite the fact that there are like last gasps of these sort of violent outbursts trying to prevent that from happening, like on a continuum, are we doing better? I feel like we are. So if we're doing better, how much that I'm worried about is just how old I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. How much that I'm worried about is like, I don't know, you know, if you were if you were 20 right now, you, you just be like, this is fine. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's so hard to know. I'm glad I'm not like a child psychologist or, you know, I'm glad I'm not the, a person making decisions about what's right and wrong for future generations, especially it's, with regards to technology. Yeah. It's true in that, as I'm sitting here saying how worried I am about content producers, we are producing content. <laughs> we are. Yeah, but not uh, only, we've got more we're, experience. We're so we're trying to more life find experience. ways to produce new content <laughs> on yeah. our content. We're, we're, try- we're, we're like falling into our own content yeah. down that rabbit hole, yeah. producing yeah. content for another content producer. That's Competing right. Competing against right. teens, for God's sake. <laughs> That's what right. chance do we have with their energy and their... Vitality. Their hairy armpits. Uh-huh. Mm, I don't know what teens are. I don't really know. <laughs> um, so yeah, across the board, you have artists. They all have sort of bumbled their way into it, with the exception of those rare ones who had some sense of what they were doing and charged forward. Um, what about other things like gender, sexuality, those kinds of things? People who 
you know, stumble their way toward realizing they were gay yeah. or trans or any of that stuff. That's been a really amazing that's been a really amazing cross section of like very diverse stories as well. Like really, really different journeys. Um people that I might have expected would have come out earlier or you know for you can't maybe it's not something you can put your finger on and it is this sort of profiling in a way that you don't realize and you don't mean to in a negative it's not a negative thing but people that i just you even that you're like you know oh presumably for reasons i can't express that are all unconscious i assume that you knew that you liked girls as a girl when you were young you know you and you it's not like i say that out loud but there definitely have been people who are like oh no 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 like i was married to a man you know until i was 30 and that's when i realized like i was gay and you know it just took a different shape for me and so that is it that is widely ranging as well Hmm. but again people who are younger are more comfortable talking about being on a spectrum you know i know that's like a risky word right now with certain conversations but um i think we're still sort of safe to talk about spectrum in terms of sexuality and 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 what you're attracted, who you're attracted to, and all that. Um, I do feel like there is there is necessarily just like a lot of a lot more flexibility with younger people in a way that I love. I mean, because I felt that way as a young person and had friends who felt that way and felt very comfortable in that space. But I wasn't like shouting to the rooftops that you know I felt like it was normal for people to kind of be into whoever they were into. And so in when if you've had that experience, in some ways it does feel like life is catching up a little bit. I mean, in every other way, I'm incredibly stunted and not <laughs> not like sophisticated in any way. But I do feel like that's a place where I'm I identify so much more with younger people because they all everybody seems to, you know, there's just a there's a lot of people, particularly women. I think it's still different for men, but particularly women who are like, you know, I don't know, you love who you love. Like mm-hmm. they're just, it's just more of a, there's just not a lot of thought or worry being put into that. And that makes me really happy. Again, no easy, straightforward, simple, reducible solution for, for that, which is what makes it so nice. It's a messy 500 so messy. episodes, many, many years of, of figuring that out, which you only get to figure out if you're doing it over and over again and and sort of showing this is how wide-ranging and unusual everybody's lives are in these ways um 10 years again long long time in in podcasting years cast your mind back jane varney to the early days do you remember anything about the idea of podcasting the mechanics of it when you were doing in those early days when people were still sort of trying to figure out what the medium was like when you would ask people to come on and was there anybody who was like what are you talking about what's a podcast i mean this is what 20 2011 mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think it was 20 i think i started making yeah. i think i started recording people in late 2010 yeah. and then i think and then I, I was banking episodes um and then i think my podcast came out in 2011 but um not really i mean i'm I, i'm i think there may have been some i'm trying to think if there's anybody who genuinely didn't know what a podcast was i feel like everyone knew what a podcast was um but didn't listen to them or know how to get them but mm-hmm. if you put a microphone in front of someone and tell them it's like a radio interview you're fine yeah because you know? they're all performers and artists they're like oh a microphone my favorite yeah yeah 
They'll go for it. But they don't know where to find them. I mean, again, it just depends on. That's true. But there's like, I don't even know if there's that much consistency in age for that. Like there were people who were older than me who were super into podcasts. And then there were people at the time who were younger than me who were like, I don't know what that is. I mean, or I know what that is, but I've never opened the Apple podcast icon on my iPhone or whatever. Um, It's interesting. And with that, uh, that really kind of wider lens view of podcasting having been I mean not one of the original podcasters but honestly I mean 10 years ago it was it was such a fledgling media in terms of how it was even understood in mainstream society and then if you think about now it's almost like a joke like everybody has a podcast if you live in you LA guys, you have a we podcast we were saying everybody has a podcast in 2011 hmm. oh. i said that <laughs> i would i there were there were people i would approach and say and i would say then I'm just, I'm so sorry to be another person asking you to do their podcast. Like that Um, was, I felt that way 10 years ago. I felt like pressured to have a specific point of view and have something specific I wanted to say or focus on because I didn't want to get lost in the shuffle. (laughs) Wow. And well, how about, and so, so now where there's like a a trillion podcasts, do do you think that the media at large is better off with this medium do you think that it's made a positive impact on the media landscape uh and why absolutely um well for me it's i mean i i love podcasting i am a podcast consumer i think the 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 hardest thing about there being so many is that i think it is really hard to find there are a lot of gems out there that i can't i won't be able to navigate to because i just don't know about them um and that makes me sad it's like you know, it's like finding out that there was this amazing restaurant and you lived someplace for 10 years and you never went there because you didn't know it existed. And then you move out and they're like, oh, it just closed. Yeah. You're like, but I, no one ever told me to, <laughs> you know, so, um, so that's like, if, but, but, you know, if that's the worst thing about it for me, an avid consumer of podcasts. I mean, I definitely have people in my life who are like, oh, you know, I just, I don't need another podcast to listen to. I am not that person at all. Like, I am always interested in looking for new podcasts. I'm interested in, you know, there are podcasts that I listen to for a little while. And then, you know, maybe I kind of backlog episodes because I'm not in that mode. But I feel like I have varied enough interests, too, that, you know, there is something I can be. There's something I'm going to be in the mood for across a bunch of different genres. And um, and I can and I know that, you know. I can come back and catch up on on and it feels like you're, you know, seeing old friends or hearing old friends. But I love the intimacy of it and as Brandon knows better than anyone in this world, um I'm I have I'm a he calls me a toddler because I'm always just toddling around doing stuff, perhaps getting into trouble, but um I'm not I don't like sitting in one place very long and so podcasting mm-hmm. for me is perfect because I find that I don't need I don't need visual stimuli in that way. I would rather be have someone in my ears wherever I'm going than to be sitting in front of, uh, frankly, sitting in front of watching, watching a a YouTube podcast, you know, maybe if I were younger, that would feel important. But instead, I'm like, oh, you know, you're out in the world. Yeah, you're just in my head with me. Yeah. Toddler. Personal. Yeah. Is toddle, that's a verb? Toddle? Yeah, dog. Oh, hell yeah. Well, that's where toddler comes from. Is it what I'm picturing? It's like, like sort of awkwardly walking? Well, yeah, I would say it's like <laughs> going places with a real strong sense of knowing what you want 
even if you're not entirely sure that your attention is going to stay focused on that thing for the longest period of time. You're going to go from shiny object to shiny object. It's a very tender and sweet way of describing some ADD that I 100% have in a medically diagnosed way. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so she multi-channels. She can listen to this. I mean, I, you know, I can watch her do it. And I'm like, there's no way I could do that. There's no way I could listen to something. I have to be very focused on one thing or I'll get totally... I do I do too but I do like listening to stuff and then having like my own little adventure going on in the world right like yeah. that part is fun to me like it's in your it just as you described it's in your ears but you're out at the grocery store you're out like doing stuff and it's sort of like this your little secret narrative that's going on while you're like out in this magical world so I I, I certainly that what you said resonates with me a lot yeah secret narrative that's a great way of putting it for mm-hmm. sure and also like really discovering how much sound and the way your brain works with visuals and sound. Yeah. Um, like I will remember the next time if I'm going on a hike and I'm listening to a podcast and I reach the same sort of summit where I was listening to something that I was also very interested in. If I was both interested in what I was seeing and what I was listening to, even though they have no connection to one another, the next time I'm in that place, I will absolutely remember what I what conversation I was listening to in that moment and it oh, totally. it conjures it back up for me. So I'll be like, oh, mm-hmm. now this this curve of the road in Griffith Park now reminds me of like six different podcasts or audiobooks because I've walked it so many times. So it's this little palimpsest of mm-hmm. memories, of audio memories yeah. that go along with That's one awesome. picture. Layering of experiences. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, we can do that in a way that we couldn't do as a in previous generations, right? We're able to, for better and worse, we're able to have all of these kind of layerings of, of media that can be distracting or we're sort of figuring out how do you stack these things? And I think podcasting does work because it's hands-free and for the most part, you can do other things. So Jenny, you came in today with a lot of knowledge about people that you've experienced over the years through the podcast, 10, almost 11 years. Uh, and you came to us, journos, functioning as journos as a service, with a problem, with a query, with a mystery you wanted solved, I think. <laughs> and if so, what is it? Well, it's interesting because sort of what you just said, Stephen, about this idea of amassing memories. And I realized that, you know, while I might be the kind of reporter who was out in the field who was collecting all this data... I haven't ever really tried to do anything with it. And I'm now amassing other people's teenage hoods along with my own. I feel like in 20 more years, I'll have conflated someone else's story that they told on the podcast and I'll think it (laughs) happened to me. Um, So I have all of this stuff swirling around in my head, um, but I've never had an actual conversation from a more sort of studied professional perspective of what it is even to be a teenager and is there are there ways I can further understand and more deeply understand people's experiences as they've been relayed to me if I have you know a little bit more to work with in the toolbox and um I don't want to just you know bang it I don't want to Google it. Come on. I need I need two very erudite, uh, charming, and wonderful men who I already have uh, deep caring feelings for to uh, have a conversation with me about, you know, what it is to be a teenager. What does that even mean? 
now or then? It's a good question. All Dude, right. Is that too big? Is that too broad, no, guys? There's no, there's no question too big or broad. Exactly okay. what we're here for. Yeah. Cool. All I right, can't we'll wait. look into it. What is a teenager? What does it mean to be a teenager? Okay. What can we find out? Great. Yeah. Great. All right, Janet, we'll get on this. All right. Janet Varney, thank you for being on the show with us here, Journos. You are, of course, of the JV Club. Go check that out. The next time you hear from us, we will be on your show. And do I need to wear the same outfit I was wearing when we first recorded for continuity for an audio thing no one's going to (laughs) see? How else will we all recognize each other? All righty. Yep. Perfect. All right. Thank you. Uh, This has been Journos. I'm Brandon R. Reynolds. And I'm Stephen Jackson. We'll see you next time. Journos is produced by Dave Coates. And again, Journos is now available as a service. In fact, we're calling it Journos as a Service. So if your podcast has a question or a mystery that you'd like solved, give us a holler. You can reach us at journos at journos.net.